there's a big edge during this time of the fantasy football calendar. It's all about deciphering the information that's fact versus the pile that's fiction, that's all noise. It's four weeks until training campaign. Little is happening on the field. So it's all the analysis of the news right now that is altering where players are being drafted in your fantasy football league. And if you do it correctly, I think you're a step ahead. So today, 10 important news items that are current they're impacting the landscape of your fantasy drafts. And sometimes the smart thing to do is to have no reaction to this news, to look it up, do some research, and then not react to it. Well, let's get into those today. And we'll start off with the Baltimore Ravens and their offensive changes under Todd Monken. Why don't we actually start off with their head coach and listen to, well, no, their quarterback and listen to a little bit what he has to say about the changes he's witnessing under a new play caller. I mean, just being able to throw the ball down the field. You know, we sometimes, sometimes, you know, we can't run and not going. Running can only take you so far, you know. And I feel like with, with this new era of uh, teams and offenses in the league, I, I feel like we need that. And Coach Todd Monken, what I'm saying, his offense so far is looking tremendous. You feel like you're, um, you won't have to run as much and that'll maybe be scaled back a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with the receivers we have. Bay, OBJ, Zay, Dove, Pro, all those guys. You got Isaiah, the tight end. I can't say Zay. Isaiah, the tight end. Mark, my guy. Um, is it looking? So, T Strack, our buddy, has talked about this a lot this summer, where anytime a beat writer or a player talks about this offense now post Greg Roman era, it's all about pace, it's all about tempo. Can you put that a little bit in the context for us, Hayden? Yeah, last year, the Ravens were 20th in neutral pass rate. They were 24th in neutral pace. They were 28th in passes per game. And then, like Lamar said, uh, they were 31st in their big passes. Those are 20-yard passes. So they've been trying to throw the ball deep at times, but not with a lot of volume. And now the whole offense is going to change to me. So I think that we're going to see Lamar Jackson probably throw the most pass attempts he's ever had in his entire career. And I'm the big thing I'm trying to figure out is how the formation, the personnel is going to change. Because if you're just looking at it uh, last year, for example, the Ravens were first in their amount of plays in, for, in one or two wide receiver sets. They were dead last in three wide receiver sets. Well, in best ball right now, we have three wide receivers that are going basically right next to each other. We have to figure out which one is going to be on the field in two wide receiver sets because those are going to be the ones that were going to matter. Or is this completely going to be changed and the others going to be running three wide receiver sets and Lamar is actually going to be passing? It'll probably be somewhere in the middle. They're not going to be top 10 in pass attempts, but it'll probably be a lot more than we're used to with the Ravens. I do think that there's a chance that Lamar Jackson can bring Mark Andrews plus a wide receiver along, at least in the range where like Marquise Brown was a couple years ago. That's an important note because it got to the point last year when Rashad Bateman got injured. It was just the Mark Andrews show and you really couldn't attach anyone to Lamar Jackson. So having one of those pieces stand out and we'll get into their wide receivers because it's actually like a trio of news items here for the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I do want to bring up this is fascinating to me because in some ways, like the early Lamar Jackson career stuff led him to an MVP campaign and breaking fantasy football. But it kind of just got stale and they couldn't progress. And I think some of that also uh, offensive line injuries hampered it. And so I'm really excited to see Lamar Jackson in more of a, I don't know, quote unquote, pro style offense, because yes. hopefully people remember back at Louisville. That's absolutely where he shined. Two points I want to make. Um, one, the beat writers are also mentioning that they're getting the running backs more involved in the passing game. And then two, Lamar Jackson just saying that he expects to run less. Your interpretation of both of those comments. I don't see the need to throw the ball to the running backs like J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. I like both of them, but those are those are downhill runners with some a little bit of explosiveness. We don't have to throw the ball to them. Let's let's run with Lamar when needed, not out of necessity. And Lamar will still run a ton. It's like the most valuable play in the NFL when he's actually out there healthy. Um, especially behind this offensive line, like you mentioned, there was a lot of injuries, but their left tackle, he's back. He's back from injury. Uh, left guard, he's a third-year player, pretty good player. Tyra Linderbaum, he's a very good player at center. And then their right guard and right tackle are also returning. So a little bit of injury luck, this team could really take off. All of their like kind of advanced metrics were pretty solid. It's just they got decimated by injuries, and they had no depth at wide receiver. If they can throw the ball deep and then run the ball effective, which they always will, this offense, I think, has a chance to be a top five in the league. So Lamar Jackson, quarterback four right now, only after Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen. Uh, he's seven picks after that last one. And Josh Allen is like the 35th 
overall selection. Basically, what we're focusing on is improved offensive line play because of health and just more plays and faster tempo and expanded passing offense that like really gets aggressive in every single blade of grass with an improved wide receiver group around him where it's not just Rashad Bateman when he throws for what, like 10 touchdown passes in the first three games and then has no one else, like Mm -hmm. the Devin DuVernay's, Demarcus Robinson's of the world. Like just if we get that, that elevates everything. We're cooking. We are. We are wanting to cooking. Okay, let's talk about one of those wide receivers in Rashad Bateman, who's being drafted as wide receiver 45 right now. Um, did have, I don't even want to say a hiccup in his recovery, uh, but did receive a cortisone shot, expected to miss minicamp, which he did. Let's hear from head coach Jim Harbaugh. Each injury is different. John. Liz Frank, per se, is a different injury. Uh, the screws go in, you know, the, the, the heel, the, it heals, and then the screws come out. And sometimes you have to deal with the screw coming out and how that heals. And that was really the issue with him. It's just a matter of uh, putting some cortisone in there and helping that healing process when the screw came out. So it's not a structural issue at all. It is an issue of just comfort and making sure it's right for training camp. Oh, Ravens wide receivers right now are being drafted as such. Rashad Bateman, wide receiver 45, Zay Flowers, wide receiver 46, Odell Beckham, wide receiver 53, ranging from 88 overall to 111 overall. Your thoughts? I have basically only been drafting them when I have drafted Lamar Jackson, which for the record is quite a bit. Um, so I rank them Bateman, then Odell, then Zay, Zay Flowers. And I've kind of been like a little bit hesitant on the Zay Flowers just because I think this team's going to use two tight end sets a lot. They have Isaiah Lakely and Mark Andrews. They use a fullback. They use other tight ends out there as well. So I'm going to I'm going to be prioritizing the guys that are going to be in two wide receiver sets and one wide receiver sets. They paid Odell Beckham all this money, 15 million dollars plus incentives, where I think he's going to be one of them. And I think that Rashad Bateman, uh, Lamar Jackson himself called Bateman the wide receiver one. Uh, Adam Levitan put this best with Rashad Bateman's injury. He said that he's had a cortisone shot in his foot and that if he's had one of these little things, it's probably not the the most daunting injury thing. So I think that Bateman's should be back. Um, and I think Bateman can play. Like it's it, He's been decent in stints. I thought he was going to be a little bit more physical than, than he has shown, but I think that they're expecting Rashad Bateman to be the 1A next to kind of Odell Beckham. And I think that they're hoping Zay Flowers can be a big contributor, but I'm a little bit worried that he's going to end up being kind of manufactured s- slot player, like a better version of what Devin Duvernay is to put it simply. This is the time of year for Twitter doctors to shine, you know, like they can be ahead of us in information of players when they come back from injury, when they come back from surgery. And it's been fascinating to see the differences of opinions. We're going to get into this with the, some, some of these other players as well. Jeff Mueller puts this, I think, in a little bit of context where cortisone isn't just for pain in some cases, but it's also just for healing, especially in this case for Rashad Bateman. The second surgery was to remove the hardware. And so this is basically just to help those holes in his foot heal. And that's it. You know, Um, I'm not going to try to put in a lab coat. I will try to defer to people like this, but it's always interesting to me that these people can have all differing opinions and, you know, again, trying to find what's fact from fiction in all of it. Yeah. I mean, with Lamar Jackson, when you draft him, just like you doing it a lot and you miss out on Mark Andrews, I kind of then miss out on maybe Rashad Bateman and Zay flowers. Cause I'm kind of prioritizing other players in that area. And I'm like begrudgingly ending up with Odell Beckham shares because right. like there's a pick gap of about what 30 in between mm-hmm those top two and then him. Um, but man, for how much they paid him, you have to think, you have to think there is a plan for him to get be involved. Yeah. I'm putting it as simple as that. Like they, he will be on the field cause they're paying him a lot. And if he's on the field, um, that's all I can ask for at this point. Okay. We'll close this out with JK Dobbins sitting out mining camp while looking for a contract. JK Dobbins right now being drafted as the running back 18. Um, I saw it mentioned or quoted that it was a hold in going back and rereading this. It kind of, I think was misquoted as that because he is going to then participate in training camp because the fines are too high. So to me, this is almost a non-story at this point. 
Yeah, except I will just mention that J.K. Dobbins, of all of the running backs, he has at least some kind of craziness risk because he's already had run-ins with this coaching staff. He is on the last year of his rookie deal, and he's dealing with injuries. And I think a lot of his problems have kind of been around his ability to return. Now, I will say, in his uh, five games after having that setback last year, he averaged 6.6 yards on right. his 70 carry. So he was playing well. I will say, though, Gus Edwards is somebody I am drafting a lot of because there's a lot of uncertainty. Guess how much money they're paying Gus Edwards this year? $4.6 million. That's a Got lot a of money. Years ago. Yep. That's a lot of money. And guess what? I was looking at Gus Edwards stats and woo, this one was spicy since 2018 of all the running backs have over 500 attempts. Only Nick Chubb is beating him in yards per carry. Gus Edwards can run the rock. We've seen Mark Andrews have some big seasons out there. I think that Gus Edwards have a, has a lot of contingent value and he goes overlooked. And it's not just the injury setback for J.K. Dobbins of all the running backs in the league. Somebody that can actually kind of have something wonky happen. Yeah, I think Dobbins would be at the very top of that list. I remember stats versus film last year when J.K. Dobbins returned and his long speed and his stride just wasn't there. Yeah. But I thought that in the short areas, he still had some lateral First. cutting ability and quickness mm -hmm. and explosiveness to, you know, create space for himself. So like maybe even a year further removed from the surgery allows more explosive plays, but he was still dangerous. I would say in the zero to, you know, 15 yard area, Correct. which is like the vast majority of where yep. runs are um, right now on underdog. Hopefully everyone knows by now we have NFL season pickums. Um, so you know, sick pick during the season. Just look what you can search for with every single team. We've talked about Lamar. J.K. Dobbins stuff is on there. 875 and a half rushing yards for J.K. Dobbins right now as his higher or lower. Could you scroll down real quick just to show how close all the projections are? Odell Beckham, 575 receiving yards. Zay Flowers, 600 flat. And then same thing with Rashad Damien at 600 flat. So training camp reports and who's playing and what personnel groupings, I think is going to be fairly important here. All right. We'll move on from the Ravens. Over to another running back. It's Cam Akers, a quote-unquote central figure for the Los Angeles Rams this season. He's moved on up to running back 22, 71 overall. Here's what Sean McVay had to say, quote, Cam is going to be a central figure in this offense. I think he's priming himself to have a great year. And also, I've loved what Kyron Williams has done in that running back's <laughs> room. But Cam is a stud. Hayden, has any player produced more of a roller coaster 24 months than Cam Akers in the NFL? It's him and J.K. Dobbins, so it's glad that we <laughs> grouped them kind of together here. Yeah, and it's a very similar story to Dobbins, who there was at one point I was like, all right, the Ravens even going to have him around the team. Cam Akers was even to another extent. They end up trading Daryl Henderson, and then Cam Akers over his final eight games averages 80, 88 total yards. He was averaging 4.8 yards per carry. He was PFF's uh, running back five. In rush grade and remember at the end of that season the entire offensive line was gone they weren't even al allowing tyler higby their tight end to even uh run routes he had to stay in the block matthew stafford was out of the picture cooper cup was out of the picture so cam Akers was kind of just carrying the load by himself and was actually fairly efficient with it so when i'm looking at the depth chart sony michelle they just brought him in he had to wait till june 20th that's not a good sign for him he's been bouncing around the league even last year pff had him as the running back 67 in grade i think that sony michelle is probably has an outside shot of making this team. And if he does make the team, that means that Zach Evans is probably a zero burger. And then both of you, both of us, we think there's some value that Kyron Williams has, but I don't think it's going to translate to fantasy. So I've actually been buying a little bit of Cam Akers. I will note though, Cam Akers uh, and the Rams, they finished dead last in fantasy usage last year. The Rams did. And then their Super Bowl run with Matthew Stafford, they were 25th. And so I think that the, this ultimate ceiling isn't there for Cam Akers, but I like his size. I kind of like his skill set. And I think that this Rams offense can play with some tempo. So I think that Cam Akers um, at least going to have the early down work next to Kyron Williams on, on passing situations. So Cam Akers, since let's say the first week of best ball mania for opening um, has moved up only from, I think 73 and a half to 71.6 as mm -hmm. of right now. You know, Jared Smola was on the show just a couple weeks ago. He was one of his five players that he, can't stop drafting. I will throw my hands in the air and say I have no freaking clue what to do with this. I am not drafting a lot of K-Makers right now, and it seems like he is the darling of many when going back and looking at the end-of-season reaction and what Sean McVay and company are saying right now. Because, Hayden, I remember going into training camp last year, the great Jordan Rodriguez said that Sean McVay had looked in the mirror and totally changed how he wanted to utilize his running back room in the post-Todd Gurley era. 
saying that we want multiple co-starting running backs, which he had in Cam Akers and in Daryl Henderson, and that that's how he wanted to utilize the position moving forward. And now yep. we're getting this, which is almost like totally different verbiage in a way. It is, but I do think that his Kyron Williams quote does matter. I think Kyron Williams is going to play a passing down role where Todd Gurley wasn't coming off the field at all. And I think that they probably possibly Cam Akers tore his Achilles because he was getting a little bit too much usage. But he's not he's not saying the term, and maybe it's just from a talent perspective of right. quote, I look at it as we've got two starting running backs. I don't Correct. sense that messaging. Right. No, because they don't. They have one, right. and then Kyron Williams is a compliment. And I think that's the best way that they should attack this. So I think that kind of language that we had last offseason um, was before he saw Kyron Williams play with NFL speed. And I think that he's probably walking those back a little bit. But I do think that this will keep Cam Akers out of the running back one conversation. But I do think that he is poised for running back two potential, and he's being drafted as a running back 22. So I think he's like a slight win type of player versus mm -hmm. where he's being drafted. Just, I mean, again, using that term roller coaster, <laughs> like, the dude was basically off the team last year. Mm -hmm. And now we're in this spot where twice towards the end of each of last seasons, even when we came off of a short stint with an Achilles tear, he was the workhorse, the yeah. workhorse. And at yep. least now it seems like they're backing him up in that regard, where at the same time last year, coming off a similar usage and opportunity, it was different verbiage. And it's his contract year. He's got to be a good boy. Let's always dive into the contract years. Okay. Speaking of contracts, DeAndre Hopkins. Wide receiver 21 right now being drafted as 41 overall. There were mentions as soon as he got cut or was being, you know, bounded about by the Arizona Cardinals of the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, the two visits that he has made so far the New England Patriots, and the Tennessee Titans. So my question to you, should we reframe our opinion of him because the Patriots and Titans don't hit nearly as well to me as the Bills and the Chiefs? I think the best fit would be the uh, Chiefs. I think the Bills fit would probably be overrated because there's a little bit more target competition than when we'd want to give credit for. But are for those it. even being mentioned right now? Right, so... Adam Schefter initially, and he kind of doubled down on this, said that the Chiefs will be involved. He's initially taking the visits with the Titans and the Patriots because they are the most desperate teams for them. They are certainly contenders. DeAndre Hopkins left both of them feeling decent about it, but not decent enough to sign a contract. He's probably not getting enough money or as much money as he had hoped for. He's probably thought he was going to make $15 million. I'm guessing these teams are offering him about like 10 um, so we'll see if the Chiefs kind of make a, a couple moves. They have to like restructure some contracts to be able to fit DeAndre Hopkins. And DeAndre Hopkins and the, the national reporters have all said they're going to wait till camp. And I think it's because he doesn't really want to practice. And he's also probably hoping for uh, the Chiefs to restructure some contracts and to hold out hope that the Chiefs or one of these actually contending teams could match these contracts. So I would make the Patriots the favorites. I would probably put the Titans maybe number two, but I still think the Chiefs make some sense here. I'm still going to hold on to some of these Adam Schefter initial reports. And the fact that he left those tells me that he's hoping the Chiefs could come to under contract with them. We'll see if it actually happens. I'm 30 drafts deep this summer with employees. I have zero DeAndre Hopkins. Mm -hmm. And I think it's twofold. One, we don't know the landing spot because again, where we talk about, sure, if he lands with the Titans, if he lands with the Patriots, he will probably get money that assures him that he is like their number one pass catching option in both of those. But those offenses almost certainly are so much worse than the Bills and the Chiefs that I, even if he's second on the pecking order with the latter two teams, I would be more interested mm -hmm. in him in those environments because they just score more points. And more touchdowns. And I know it's been, you know, Matt Harmon on one side is talking about how his play really hasn't declined. I've talked to some people who may or may not have played with DeAndre Hopkins who think that uh, his play has declined. And I think we kind of saw it last year where he's always been great in isolation. I think he's becoming a little bit more of a contested catch player. I just, you always talk about this, that it's easier for players to climb in ADP versus fall in ADP because as soon as people start falling, people think, oh, it's value. I've got to scoop that up and draft him where he's at. Just where he's going right now, sandwiched between Amari Cooper, Keen Allen, Christian Watson, then yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, and then Jerry Judy, Drake London, Terry McLaurin, Mike Williams. I can't do it at that price. I just can't. Yeah, I've only been drafting DeAndre Hopkins. It's only a couple of times I've done it as part of like Patrick Mahomes stacks. No, in hopes that we actually get there. Um 
but we'll see. I, I think he'll drop a little bit if he goes to the Patriots or the Titans. Uh, I don't think he's going to actually completely crater, though. Like someone like right. DJ Moore, who's a number one receiver, probably like DJ Moore and DeAndre Hopkins, probably relatively about the same level of player in a iffy passing offense, goes as the running back 26. So I, I put that as DeAndre Hopkins' floor in ADP. And if he goes to the Chiefs, he'll be a third round pick. So I, I, I'm still holding out hope for the Chiefs because there hasn't been anything telling me that he's for sure not going there. Right. And, it's easier for the Patriots and the Titans who have some money and are so desperate for talent to get bring him in. The Chiefs can play a little bit cooler. We'll see what happens. I don't think DeAndre Hopkins has any reason to rush this thing. I think that's a good point where we've already seen interest from these lesser teams, right? And so that process might take longer. But as soon as the Chiefs do get involved, that process will not take as long. It yep. almost certainly would be quicker. However, there are like multiple Patriots beat writers just saying – Something it's happening of quote, there's still a level of optimism. The two sides could reach an agreement. Yeah. You know? Yep. They're the favorites. They are the favorites. Next up. Lean Russell Wilson. I'll throw a video for everyone watching on YouTube right now. We've talked about it. A big part of Russell Wilson's, I would say decline over the last couple years has been his lack or maybe his mobility drifting away because in the hero ball style that he made famous during his time of the let Russ cook era in Seattle. A lot of that was broken plays and then attacking down the field. So if you don't have those broken plays anymore, which you saw disappear last year with the Denver Broncos, his play declines. Now it's not just him losing weight. There's also been some other losses on the Broncos, namely in a bad coach and Nathaniel Hackett, you bring in Sean Payton and now Sean Payton is like running this entire thing. So whereas Russ was a top 10 quarterback drafted last year, now he's being drafted as the quarterback 18. Are you in? Well, the last two years, he's been in the quarterback 15, the quarterback 17 in fantasy points over replacement per game, which is a little bit better than I thought because uh, he kind of got hot last year after we completely forgot about the Broncos offense. Deservedly man, so. Going back and watching that stuff. It I was think pretty, it was pretty fluky. I, I, I mostly agree. I will say that him dropping weight and like just looking more in shape is a pretty big deal to me where I was okay. going to be, looking for reasons to not have any rust. And I'm actually looking back at it just last year. His yards after contact was the lowest uh, of his career. He set career lows in sacks. And then like the stat pressure to sack ratio, how much pressure you're inviting. Are you being able to escape or are you taking the sack? He was taking the sack. And that's just because he didn't seem as mobile him losing some way. I think will help that a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think the Broncos are going to be extremely run heavy. And it's going to be a lot of the play action stuff. Do not let Russ cook. And we're in, that's how they were using it with Drew Brees when Drew Brees was like washed. I think that he can have some success like Drew Brees was having mild success towards the end of his career. I think we're looking at like the quarterback 14, 15. So there's a slight win here, but I just don't think that the environment's going to be that great for fantasy success. And for him to have a rebound season, the bar's pretty low. I think he can rebound, but not rebound to where he was like a near MVP. He's in this really intriguing tier of quarterbacks being drafted right now, like just ahead of Derek Carr, just ahead of Jordan Love, which is a major question. Matthew Stafford, who if he plays, you know, 17 games or even 14 games, definitely is going to hit, I think, on his quarterback 21 ADP right now. I, I mean, I think this is totally fair of, of where he's going. And, you know, the narrative last offseason was, well, it's a mind meld between Nathaniel Hackett and and Russell Wilson, and they're creating the offense together. As soon as Sean Payton got in there, the first thing he said was, no, we're getting rid of Russell Wilson's individual quarterback coach. This is me. This is what we're doing it. This is how we're doing it. And I love that. Like, yeah. I think you have to have structure right now around who Russell Wilson is as a player. Hopefully, Corton Sutton looks better this year. Hopefully, we get Tim Patrick back. Maybe Marvin Mims opens something up as a vertical player, and Jerry Judy makes good on this season as well. Like, there's enough there for at least a stretch of games for Russell Wilson to play like a top 10 quarterback this season. If he has anything left in the tank and if not, they're going to eat a ton of money and cut him after this season. Like those are the two possible outcomes here. Yeah. The one counter to like some of this optimism is this is completion percentage over expected. So like your mobility doesn't have to necessarily play into this. No, he it sucked was, last year. I, I just want to stay below it. average really bad last year. Correct. Way off of his usual average. So, and I'm not sure if like working out is going to help his him complete more passes. I think or maybe know the field and that's right. Of stuff. So maybe Sean Payton can help him out, but I think he's not going to be the same player as he once was. My favorite way to play this is I draft Jerry Judy. Cause I think that if Russell Wilson's decent, Jerry Judy is going to take a, on a lot of that. 
And I'm not sure if Russell Wilson has enough mobility um, or just upside when it comes to pass attempts to really be a quarterback one. So if I'm going to be buying some of the optimism around Russ, it's going to be through Jerry Judy. Just two and a half rushing TDs for Russell Wilson is higher or lower for the NFL season long pickums. 3,800 passing yards higher or lower. Um, we could talk a little bit about Javante Williams right now, but it's like people talking about two sides of their mouth. Um, it's too early. It's too early to really know. And I think we really won't know maybe until halfway through training camp Yeah. Um, of, of his status right now. All right. Stefan Diggs next. I mean, we have to have some wide receiver news every offseason. And Stefan Diggs is raising his hand and allowing us to have some of the drama. Shocking. Quote, Diggs is frustrated with his voice in the offense per Ben Volen, stormed out of the locker room in a playoff loss, did not attend voluntary workouts, then sent cryptic social media posts. He did report for mandatory minicamp after one day. We know right now, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver five, seventh overall selection. Any worry, any concern? I think there's some worry that just the Bills just have one of those seasons where things just kind of blow up a little bit. But contractually, Stefan Diggs has to be out there. He's one of the highest paid receivers in the league. The target competition remains pretty weak in general. He was getting the rock a ton last year. So I'm not really sure what Steph Diggs is all that mad about. I think that he was mad that Josh Allen had a bad uh like last couple games of, of the season and that maybe this offense is changing a little bit. They're going to maybe be a little bit more balanced and he's kind of had enough of that, but there's really nothing that the bills can do contractually and he's not going to like miss time or anything like that. So maybe there's some risk that it's just, they're mad at each other and that has some lingering effects, but I don't know. This seems just like Steph Diggs being mad and the bills could probably handle that a little bit better. Um, but I think when we're sitting here recapping week one, are we going to remember this? Probably not. I joked about it, but this is just standard wide receiver stuff. You know, like and every offseason there is one of them. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, we saw this towards the end of his time in Minnesota. I think this is a bit different because the Bills are actually good. Yeah, and, you know, obviously the Vikings went deep with him in the playoffs at times, but this has a different ability to it. I will say once in a while, while in Bali, I would scroll Twitter and would see a lot of recent mentions of well, have the Bills peaked? You know, like have we seen the best of them? I do think something new has to change with this offense without Brian Dayball for them to like turn the corner, you know, um, maybe last offseason they thought it was bringing in Von Miller who then obviously missed uh, most of the season. Now is it Dalton Kincaid? Like, is he that next jump that can, you know, change them completely? Because while Josh Allen was a bit of a roller coaster last year, especially when the arm and the elbow injury happened, he was still playing at an elite level, like ridiculous football player. So it's not like the quarterback can play any better for the entire season unless he's perfect. Yeah, it's just a weird situation. It just seems like there's a lot of pressure and high yeah. expectations. So much pressure on the very team. competitive. Yeah, I would say maybe at them and the Chargers, because the Chargers have their contract situations is like underratedly really bad moving forward. I would say the Bills and the Chargers, you got to win this year. Like figure it out. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. You have been a noted Sam Howell hater this entire offseason. Eric Bieniemy and company seem to be taking a different approach, Hayden. That even with many camp turnovers, Sam Howell standing as back one seems to not be in jeopardy at all. Ron Rivera reaffirmed Sam Howell's status as quarterback one at this time. Quote, he's pretty much shown us what we want to see. So being drafted as quarterback 27 right now, 
your thoughts? I mean, do you think he's going to be fantasy viable? Like, I guess. <laughs> I guess he runs around enough. I, I've, I've rewatched this game that he had the last couple days. and Against the Cowboys? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the yeah. Cowboys game. He reminds me of Baker Mayfield in the how chaotic his feet are. But he's at least Baker maybe thinks he's as athletic as Sam Howell. Sam Howell is actually decent. And I would athletic. I would say the major difference because aesthetically they do look very similar in the pocket. Body, yeah. Baker crumbles against pressure, and we'll get to Baker here in a, a little bit. No, he folds against pressure. No, I'm saying the other guy might. I know, I know. Sam Howell, I think at least stands in there a little bit better than Baker does. You might disagree, but at least that's my read on the situation where I've seen yeah. Baker literally fall back. 20 yards and throw off his back foot and not have the arm to get it to his wide receivers. We did have that brutal interception. Maybe, maybe what yeah, we yeah, need to bad. do is just me and you do our own little scheme while we're waiting for the new scheme host. And uh, we go break down this film. Maybe that's what we need to do. But I, I think that Sam Howell, they're trying to make Sam Howell the starter and they're talking him up. Obviously you have to, but at the end of the day, he was a fifth round pick for a reason. He had a couple of decent throws in that game. He was able to run a little bit. So I guess there's some fantasy appeal, but I think that it's going to go back and forth. And I will say the reason why I've been talking up Jacoby Brissett is there's functional play and Ron Rivera is number one coach in projected odds to get fired first new ownership. This guy wants to play conservative football. We know that. I think that the second his job is on the line, they start losing some games. The second Howell has a couple of bad interception in comes Jacoby Brissett. So I would just put it both are going to get starts this year. It is to me important and notable that even with these turnovers in minicamp, they're standing by him. Mm -hmm. However, I think that line that was put out there on Twitter of, quote, he's pretty much shown us what we want to see, and he's remaining a quarterback one and taking all those starting snaps in mining camp. Then we get from Ben Standig in the same exact article, maybe a line that affirms what you are saying a bit more, that the gap between Howell and Jacoby Brissett as potential starters is likely closer than some imagine, given Jacoby Brissett has worked exclusively with the second team. However, the scenario is more about Howell losing the gig rather than Brissett winning it so yep. like they still gave him what five to seven guaranteed millions of dollars this offseason we've seen what Jacoby Brissett can do um I want to repeat that final line of how has to lose this and mm -hmm. of a what fifth round second year quarterback we've seen many of them do that lose way. it <laughs> yes exactly and, but, and at the end of the day I like, want to bring this up though Hayden is like where he is going in drafts you know like quarterback 27 right. that's just ahead of Trey Lance who the 49ers do not want to start this year like period and the only other real starting quarterbacks going after him are Mac Jones at quarterback 29 mm -hmm. Desmond Ritter's quarterback 30 and then the whole Jimmy Garoppolo right. quarterback 31 and Baker Mayfield as the quarterback 32 how about just go one tier above and get Matthew Stafford or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I mean, that's, that's me, what I'm I would do. A ton of Bryce Young, who's nice. being just a few, like 20 picks ahead of him. Yeah. What's the point? That's my, okay. that's my point. And by the way, when we watch this game, if we do watch the Sam Howell game, <laughs> bless our hearts if we do, Jahan Dotson was roasting yeah. everybody in that game. Yeah, go go back and listen to our second year wide receiver breakout shows because Jahan Dotson reviewing him was the standout to me of Correct. when everything kind of gets muddy during the season, when you go back and review it, what shocks you the most? It was Jahan Dotson and the all encompassing aspects to his game. That's for yes. sure. Let's talk about the Vikings wide or running back room. You know, Dalvin cook is gone. Alexander Madison, our guy for many years, we stood by him now steps in. So, now everyone's asking Hayden who is going to be the new Alexander Madison in this offense. And it seems to, in many ways, be pointing in the direction of Ty Chandler, who is now being drafted as running back 60, 191 overall. And that means he is being drafted in every single best ball draft on underdog right now. Yeah, so my question for just the best ball thing is if Ty Chandler is being drafted every single time and Dwayne McBride is being drafted 4% of the time, is this a similar situation to kind of like the Chris Evans versus Samaj P. Ryan? Now, neither one of them have ever been Samaj P. Ryan. So that's going to be the thing that we're, we're talking about here is I think for best ball purposes, just for leverage, I'm going to be on Dwayne McBride. The thing is, Dwayne McBride hasn't practiced yet. So, of course, all the B reporters are going to say Ty Chandler is going to be the guy right now. He is the number two today. He's also going to be the number two on game days while Alexander Madison is active because Dwayne McBride doesn't catch passes 
in Ty Chandler. That's basically what I expect him to do. So I think we're going to get this. He's the number two. He's the number two. He's the number two. So my question to you is, yep. if Alexander Madison misses time, and that's the only chance that either one of these guys is going to be uh, relevant to any of us, who's going to be the lead back? Who's going to get the goal line yep. carry in that situation? Brett, Brett Coleman and I had this debate on our previous episodes. Go listen to that. But that's the only thing that I, I care about. I don't care about the pass game stuff. Who's going to be it if Alexander misses time? I think it's still going to be Dwayne Brett. And I think there's a question on top of that where whenever Dalvin Cook went down, Alexander Madison got the same exact workload. Mm -hmm. If Alexander Madison goes down, are the Vikings going to rely on just one person to get the same exact workload? And I would argue probably not. They probably probably split it up because while many people disagreed for many years, Alexander Madison is legit talented. He's legit good at the game, right? And I don't know if we can say that about Ty Chandler yet or Dwayne McBride yet or Kanae Nwangwu yet or anyone else they might bring. It could be a situation where they just like sign Leonard Fournette off the street, you know, four weeks into the season. And that's where we always run into these issues with running back handcuffs at this time of the year is if they have like enough talent to warrant not picking up someone off the street. And it's important now to, I guess, ask this question, but I think we'll also know the answer by like the second week of preseason. You know, like if Kane is playing, but Ty Chandler is getting like all of the second team snaps. At some point, I think we have to just fall back on that, you know? Yes, for sure. But I will say it's Dwayne, the fact that Dwayne McBride is not practicing right now is, is a bad thing. But it also like kind of sheds so pretty some light bad on for like a six round pick. A hundred percent. But Ty Chandler was also a day three pick. Yeah. So they're not going to say Dwayne McBride's the number two. It's impossible for him to be the number two. He hasn't practiced yet. We'll see. But as like, again, running back 60, that's one spot after where Gus Edwards we talked about earlier being drafted as running back 59, just a bunch of random names and chase Brown and Jeff Wilson and the free agents and Leonard Fournette and Kareem hunt, Pierre strong, so on and so forth. Like um, as the final pick of your Vikings drafts or just drafts in general, um, what you're saying with Dwayne McBride would make sense, but then it's not really costing you anything to take the stance of Ty Chandler at this moment too. Yep. I'll just play the leverage game. All right. More running backs. Let's go on over to the New York Jets and specifically Izzy Abanaconda. Um, to me, this is one headline that I saw on Twitter that I think was taken a bit out of context because the yes. headline said, Izzy Abanaconda, quote, pushing to start if Brees Hall misses time. Um, then when you go and look into the actual article, this is the actual quote. Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight struggled down the stretch with Brees Hall out. Tim, uh, Ty Johnson was cut with a non-football injury this offseason. The Jets think Michael Carter will bounce back and also believe that Israel Abanaconda, whom they draft in the fifth round out of Pitt, can make an immediate impact. He's a home run hitter. There's the link. And will be part of the running back rotation right away. Pushing to start if Brees Hall is out to begin the season. So this is twofold, Hayden. One, it doesn't sound like Brees Hall is going to miss any time. So this might be like a meaningless conversation. Like the Twitter doctors that I pulled up earlier are all saying in unison, wow, Brees Hall's ahead of schedule. This is fantastic. Second, this last line of pushing to start if Brees Hall is out to begin the season comes after Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight and really contextualizing Abanaconda, I think correctly as a home run threat. Correct. And yeah, pushing to start. I hope so. They drafted him. Um, Zonovan Knight also was not practicing at OTAs. So of course he was getting a little bit more run and in an even more recent column from the same beat reporter, they write that they, the Jets seem confident that Brees Hall will be back for training camp and week one. And then they said that Michael Carter will still have a role in the Jets running back rotation. Right. And then they list Zonovan Knight ahead of Izzy Abandacanda. If Izzy Abandacanda does anything this year, I would view that as a long shot. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm drafting a ton of Brees Hall right now, still. I think the way, and we talked about this in the second year running back show, the way he works in the passing game fits so well with how Aaron Rodgers has utilized both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon yep. incredibly well. Yep. Um, and also... You and I had a different opinion of Izzy compared to a lot of the other pre-draft ideas of him. I think a lot of those pre-draft notions expected him to maybe be selected in round three or round four. And then we got later on the draft and he was still there. 
he's very young. He's big and he's athletic, but he's just so bad on contact. So bad on contact that I, I do not see how you can go from a Brees Hall to is he starting and being that true handcuff running back when you have other players who are probably better between the tackles, not to take away his big play threat, because that's where Izzy shines. Yeah, I, this is to me where RAS, we like all these composite scores, but when you're actually using them to make your case on players, you are overlooking so much context. And I think that Izzy is like the Mount Rushmore of that. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Apparently the Bucks are talking with Mike Evans about a third contract. Quote, those talks have already begun and there's a willingness on both sides to get something done this summer. I, when I was looking up Mike Evans ADP right now, I kept having to scroll down mm-hmm. and down. I thought I missed his name all the way down at wide receiver 35, 67 overall, his compatriot, Chris Godwin being drafted as wide receiver 29. I can make both cases out of this. And it's still, this headline puts me in the perspective of, do the Bucks know what they're doing uh, with their quarterback situation, but yet potentially giving all these veterans some big contracts? Well, yeah, GM's set to get fired. The, all the coaching staff set to get fired. They are in rebuild mode, but they're kind of actually pushing for it this year. Mike Evans has a tradable contract, and it's the final year of his contract. So to me, this was underrated big news. And shout out for you for being in Bali and kind of finding this little underground news story. I was hoping that he was going to get traded, and whether that would be before the season or at the trade deadline. If he stays in Tampa Bay, I kind of view that as a bad thing for him because I just don't see that much upside with him. Um, He's been there forever. He might want to retire as a Buccaneer. I understand all that stuff. But this, to me, also just seems a little bit desperate for the Bucs trying to stay relevant with an aging roster. Um, But I view this as kind of bad news for both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Nine straight 1,000-yard seasons. Just to pull you on NFL season pick where do you think the higher or lower is set up for Mike Evans? 875. 950 and a half receiving yards. Yeah. If he if he hits that, touchdowns we talk about are so important. But if he hits that, that probably outperforms right. wide receiver 35, 67 overall. Now, yeah. I've talked about already drafting 30 teams so far. I don't have any Mike Evans. And it's because yeah. Baker Mayfield's a quarterback. Like, I legit right. cannot do it with Baker Mayfield. Just am yeah. so done with any player that is associated to him, point blank, period. Sorry. Yep, I agree. Is, is that a ridiculous take? Like, I like Mike Evans. I really like Chris yeah. Godwin. But in a team that is reshuffling their offensive line, and look, maybe it's better than last year, but mm-hmm. a quarterback that is so bad against pressure, so bad, I think it is almost impossible for our brains to comprehend the drop from Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield in an offense this season. Cause I think Baker Mayfield is not a starting quarter quality quarterback in, in right. the league yet. He is getting this opportunity. And a defensive minor head coach, the bucks last year were first in pass attempts by a wide margin. Um, they're not going to let Baker Mayfield do any of that stuff. So it's not even just an efficiency thing. It's also going to be a volume thing. I think it's gonna be a very slow paced, run heavy offense, trying to win with defense and, just I don't see him much of a ceiling right now. Also slightly shocking that Chris Godwin has a lower projection than uh Mike Evans and being drafted uh six spots earlier than Mike Evans too. Okay, there was one other little thing that they're putting Russell Gage maybe back more into the slot, which is his better natural fit in my opinion, certainly after okay. watching him last year. That's also probably not a great thing for Chris Godwin a little okay. bit too. So this this offense suggests man, I don't want any Rashad White. This is one <laughs> of these offenses just like Forget it that exists. Like, it's a simpleton take that I keep repeating every single year, but I want good players and good offenses that score points. Like, are the Bucks going to be able to score points consistently this year, week in and week out? Like, mm-hmm. this isn't saying anything about a Mike Evans decline or a Chris Godwin post-injury thing. Like, I think all of them are really good players. It's just freaking Baker Mayfield at quarterback. I cannot get over behind an offensive line that has questions. And Bulls at head coach. All right, we'll close it out with Another wide receiver room. The Giants starting wide receiver trio during minicamp. Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, and Paris Campbell. And maybe the latter name is the one that is drawing the most buzz from multiple people, including our friend Jordan Ronan, many others covering the beat. Quote, it just seems that Paris Campbell will be a big part of this offense. It's possible he'll end up being the wide receiver with the most catches for the Giants this season. Remember, 
Richie James led all Giants last year in catches. And I bring this up to mention, if you want to look at where all of these players are being drafted in the wide receiver room on the Giants in best ball right now, over on Underdog, the home of best ball, Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver 75. Isaiah Hodgins, wide receiver 78. Wandale Robinson, still wide receiver 79. Paris Campbell, wide receiver 82. And Darius Slayton, the last among them at wide receiver 86. So I'm just looking at how much they're paying all these guys, and we'll start there. Um, and Paris Campbell quietly is making $5 million a year. That I did not necessarily remember that uh, during the middle of free agency. It's him and Slayton who also is making about that money that are paid like starting level wide receivers. Isaiah Hodgins, unfortunately got stuck on a $1 million deal because he was an restricted. exclusive rights yeah. free agent. And then next year he's going to be a, a, a restricted free agent. He's in a tough spot financially, but I think that they view those three as the starting guys. Jalen Hyatt will be a rotational player. Hopefully they get something at, out of him later on. And then Wandale Robinson's probably going to start the year on uh, the pup list or IR. Um, I think Paris Campbell's kind of the guy. He's it doesn't I'll, sound very fun. I mean, like like Richie James, like you said, led the 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 team in in receptions. He was like the wide receiver 67 on the year. So the most likely none of this is really gonna matter. But if I had to pick a guy, I think I would go Hodgins and then Paris Campbell. Okay, I, I have a different take for all of this. Interesting. Right. One, I think the guy is Darren Waller. And maybe that's packing my bags a little bit because where right. Darren Waller was going earlier this summer, I was taking a lot of Darren Waller in that spot because one, when thinking about the giants, I almost believe we have to not totally think about what they did last year. Cause it's not who they want to be. Like they won games in close game situations. And I don't think they're going to just try to copy and paste exactly what they did last year with a bunch of Daniel Jones designed runs that defense that caught defenses <laughs> off guard and so on right. and so forth. Right. Like, that is probably not what they want to be. They probably want to spread it out a bit more and throw the ball downfield more. Now, with the wide receiver market as it was this year, it was tough for them to invest as much as possible. And their biggest investment was Darren Waller, in, mm -hmm. in my eyes. Now, I don't know if there is one wide receiver of this group that I would get behind for the entire season. Correct. So because of that, I almost want to look at which one of these guys can have the most spiked weeks at their value. And... For my final wide receiver pick in some of these drafts, I'm taking Darius Slayton a lot because mm -hmm. he is a big play guy. Like mm -hmm. he has vertical speed. He can also take it after catch and run along the sideline with it. Like he is starting in these three wide receiver sets. He's going to be out there probably in two wide receiver sets. So that's rather than find the one that like, oh, he's going to be a 1000 yard wide receiver. I probably just want to go with the one that might have hit your lineup on week or into yeah. my lineup four times for the entire right. season. Yeah, I think it's, it'll be Slayton and Hodgins on the perimeter and then everyone else in the slot in a rotation. Um, by the way, Sterling Shepard is a couple months ahead of Wandale Robinson. He's another slot option uh, out there. So uh, yeah, probably the slot guys are not the way to play this. I would go Hodgins and Slayton. And it's probably a take too where you can just say, I'm just fading. What's the point? And yeah. Wandale. Oh, yeah. Wondell doesn't exist to me. And the Jalen Hyatt running with a third team, what else would you expect? You know, like maybe he is a second half mm -hmm. of the season player this year, and I'm just fading where he is going. Yep. What stands out to me is Darren Waller's usage, really like the last time we saw him healthy in either Oakland or Las Vegas, and his usage in the red zone and how it was in line, how it was as an X wide receiver, how it was in the slot. And if there is one player that can score touchdowns on that team and be utilized as like the play is going to this guy, it is Darren Waller. You're not as yep. enthused, I can tell, about Waller as I am. It, I, I can just see it both ways. Like everything that you're saying, that's their plan. That's what the Giants think is going to happen. He's also a little bit old, injury risk, and there's a lot of things kind of going on with Darren Waller. Um, and he just goes a little bit. He goes next to the guys at running back and wide receiver that I think could be really good. And there's just too many late round tight ends for me to sacrifice that running back wide receiver potential at where he's going. This is now I'm I'm fine with this. Like if you're gonna say play it play it through pick them, I think that's not a bad bad thing because there's no opportunity cost to pick them. You're just playing the guys that you think. This, I'm totally fine with this. I mean, one, they have to play five games in order to be credited Count. with pick them yep. this year, and two, just four receiving touchdowns for Darren mm -hmm. Waller's is higher lower in NFL season long pick them. 
Um, just remember a couple of years ago, again, when he was healthy, now he was 28 years old back in 2020 in Las Vegas, their first year there. That was nine touchdowns. Last year, he was silent, basically, it felt like. He had three touchdowns in just nine games. Yeah. He is one of, I believe, the true difference makers inside the 20 and inside the 10 because of how you can isolate him and force a defense to cover him in a way, yeah. if you call it right. And I trust Brian Dayball and Mike Kafka to do that already because we've seen it already with lesser players Correct. on the roster. So I really, yes. really like Darren Waller's projection for the season. You just made me think of, I, I think I'm going to be mixing in some pick em entries for players that I like that I just don't oh. necessarily like their ADPs or just yep. like the opportunity cost. I think using the pick em projections kind of helps you like stay in line uh, with things. But also there's going to be some players that we're going to like their pick em projection more than we like where they're going on underdog. So yeah, I'm going to be kind of playing both, both games. Love all that. You all can click the link in the description down below for a, First time deposit match up to $100. If you've never played best ball, there literally is no better time to do it than right now. And you've all seen it. We're going to post them throughout the summer too with these NFL season long pickums. Um, it's such a fun way, as Hayden said, to either supplement, complement, whatever word you want to use to the drafts that you're doing right now. All right. Can I ask you for some help? Both yes. you and the chat. Um, I am moving this week. I'm going to be in moving hell. Wish me luck. I, if I can survive this, this yep. weekend, it's going to be miserable out there. I'm also going to have a new background. What should my background look like? Do I keep the blue? I was thinking about maybe doing like a little bit of a, like open closet type of feel. I can do more LED lights, but I have an, a new space that I can kind of decorate. Uh, I also have floor to ceiling windows in my office i was thinking about going putting that as a backdrop you're shaking your head i'm kind of with you it's probably too much of a lighting mess mm -hmm. but tell me what i should have in my background do you want a bunch of led lights you want a bunch of underdog merch do you want what do you want a whiteboard do you want me to do puns what Can do we think? throw out some ideas please maybe some greenery and i would yes. say make it less symmetrical on both sides facts i i agree with that i was thinking about doing a little brick wallpaper with a light bulb but to my right <laughs> I, that would be a good bit I'm regrettably also moving, um, but I'm still searching for a brick background. I might just like have to put one together, just like a little yeah. wall behind me that goes up to to here. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, let I, me I, know, please. I need yeah. some help. Let me know on Twitter or in the comments down below. All right, this has been fun. We'll have another show out tomorrow as well. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Hayden and Weaves for carrying the channel while I've been gone for like the better part of three weeks. Really appreciate you all. Thank you for allowing us to hit... 50,000 subscribers. And you know what that means? On to 100,000. Up the villa. Talk to you next time. See ya.